Hello, Conversations with Dwyer listeners. If you are enjoying the podcast, but you want a little bit more, you can become a Patreon subscriber. And for $5 a month, you can get bonus content, bonus episodes, and a podcast that I create solely for Patreon, where I talk to comedians about the music that they like. And you get a pin that was created by Charlene Yee of the, the, the Conversations with Dwyer logo. So please, become a Patreon subscriber. The link is in my show notes under All Things Dwyer, or you can just go to themattdwyer.com. Thank you, and enjoy this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Yo nací con la luna de plata Y nací con alma de pirata Hello and welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Veracruz. And that is a work by Van Dyke Parks and Veronica Valerio. The album will be out June 11th. And it is called Only in America. And it is a great honor to say that my guest today is Van Dyke Parks. And if you don't know Van Dyke Parks... Well, I don't know where the hell you've been living, because <laughs> he's a legend. He's, uh, if you don't know, and I have to tell you, if I have to tell you that he's worked with pretty much everybody under the sun, like Harry Nilsson, who's one of my all-time favorites, the Beach Boys, U2, Skrillex, which he talks about in the podcast. It's a really great episode, and I'm really honored uh, to have him on the show, if if you, that song. Oh, by the way, when I, when I play my intro to the interview, I put a little bit of extra time on the music because I want you to hear some of the orchestration that he's done on this album, because it's really fantastic, or specifically on the song. Um, so that's why it's a little longer than usual because it's beautiful and the man's a genius so you should uh, take it in and please buy the record which out i mentioned is out june 11th it's all in the show notes you could go and and also van dyke parks's music is also pretty goddamn amazing but i'm sure you know that if you don't know that go and buy some van dyke parks music because streaming doesn't cut it uh that I think is about it. This is a really like just a, I, we talked and he was off and running and it was like this, it was this beautiful, inspiring, poetic conversation on his part. I'm an articulate, I'm not always as articulate. I'm surely not as articulate as Van Dyke Parks. The man can speak in a beautiful manner and it was an honor to be able to talk with him for an hour. And I hope I get to do it again someday. Um, and if perchance you're just here for the Van Dyke Parks episode, please check out some of my past guests. Uh, the only person I think I've had on the show that may have worked with him in some capacity is Andy Paley from the Paley Brothers, who also has worked with Brian Wilson. That's a way back episode, but it's a really great one. And uh, Andy's an old friend of mine. And I, I didn't get to talk to Van Dyke about him. I wanted Van Dyke Parks. I wanted to talk to him about Andy. But, you know, when you have a life as big as Van Dyke Parks, you're not going to cover everything. Uh, but, uh, also check out the mattdwire.com, my website, that'll link you to social media and you could see sometimes see clips of upcoming guests or past guests and see who's on there. It's a great way to know what's going on with the show. Conversations with Dwyer is my Instagram. 
That being said, here's my interview with the great legendary Van Dyke Parks. Did they leave a vowel out of your name? Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the Zoom people? I, I just wondered. It's a great <laughs> name. I've never heard it before. Dwyer? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Is that... Is it a medieval occupation? <laughs> I think it's uh, it's Irish. Well, it is Irish. It's Gaelic, and it's a variation of I've, I th- I think Gaelic. It means uh, color of dusk. Ah, the gloaming. Yeah, I, I've been told I'm a bit gloomy as well. So maybe it's genetic. Long line I'm, of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a crepuscular crepuscular vibe out of the whole thing that is in the gloaming um, I like it. I, I, my favorite time of day actually it was my dad's too is when it goes when things start to silhouettize at night here in California it's palm trees but when they start to silhouettize that's my favorite time of the precious last of daylight <clears throat> anyway we digress man I like I, digressions is what this is all about that's what I, I prefer and that's also my favorite. I like th- uh, that. Um, oh shit! What's his name? The filmmaker. He f- shoots in that magic hour a lot. Um, Gary Cooper. Gary. I know. I know. I can come up with somebody. relevant. <laughs> Gary Cooper. Clark. Clark Gable. Clark Gable. <laughs> Ter- Mar- no. Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick shoots a lot in that in that hour, which I always. Um, Badland. Oh, yeah. Badlands, I think, was shot entirely with it, which I would assume would be maddening because that's such a limited time to film in. But I'm sure the payoff is worth it. Hey, Matt, tell me, how long have you directed your precious time to, to podcasts and stuff like that? Um, this, uh, this actual uh, podcast that is up and alive now, I've done 250 episodes of. Wow. And I have uh, done it on and off for almost a decade. I took a couple breaks. Um, wow. And then prior to that, I used to, I had a, I, I had a couple other uh, shows. Uh, one that was more, it was actually also music based, but it was uh, myself and another, and a, a comedian. And then we would have another guest on and we would discuss music and joke around and also play sets of each, each person got to play like uh, two sets of five songs. And, and what, what's your instrument? You know, I don't, I played drums as a kid. Um, yeah. I quickly realized I was not good at it. And <laughs> so now you just tell people what to play. That's what I do. I do that for a living. I tell people what to play. That's a great... Uh, do you, oh, no. I know you've been doing it a thousand years, but do you still just re- go, holy shit, I'm doing this? Like, what a, what a blessed... Uh, do, you, do you sit back and realize that, or is, do you not? Do I realize, do I realize what, Matt? Just that you've had this magical life and that you still do something that you love, which I oh, think... Oh, listen here. I want to tell you something. I'm very... I've done... I don't know a whole bunch of arrangements for many, many people of many, I mean, it amazes me yet that it's been Arlo Guthrie and Skrillex or, you know, that I just worked with the Kronos Quartet at the Jazz Fest in San Francisco or, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had a great, what do you call it, genre hopping life. And 
always feeling like uh, um, maybe like a, a novice, an intruder. I feel as something like Moses, the stammerer. <laughs> I'm not ready for this gig, but I do the gig, and I'll tell you why. Because music is the finest uh, instrument I have to express matters of thought or mind uh, or, or, or heart, you know, mind or heart. And so that's what I do. Uh, that's my political medier, maybe my, my bad group flipped my, um, my weapon of choice. It's music. And when I do music, I always remember, always, almost every day, I remember the exhortations of people like the great protest singer Phil Oaks, who was a very close friend of mine. I shared his tragedy in the 60s and so forth. And the Phil, but he died, you see. He chose to end his life. I'm not going to do that. I'm a sissy. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to trust that to an attorney at 90210. I don't if know. He has, but, I don't but know. Oak said, in such ugly times, the only true protest is beauty. And I try to do my best to make life my more enjoyable experience in spite of the bitter information I hold within. Do you feel like we get away, have gotten away from the beauty and that people, because you say that that's... Uh, oh, listen, well, you know, it's funny because, you know, the thing is, you know, like the Skrillex thing, let me just, you know, it's, it's like my good friend Ringo Starr once said, don't you hate it when people name drop. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so... I get a call from Skrillex. I never heard of Skrillex. My 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 adolescent daughter saying, "Dad, Skrillex," you know, uh, and I said, "Well, Skrillex." Oh, yeah. I didn't know how to spell his name or how to pronounce it. I said, "Where are you?" He said, "Well, my Mrs. Parks. I'm in Belcher." I said, "What are you doing there?" He said, "Well, I just played in front of 150,000 people in a concert outdoors, and uh, you know, and uh, it's, they went wild, and and I want to know if you want to arrange for me." So I get the 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 laptop on the web, and there is this guy in an arena in Belgium playing in front of 150,000 disenfranchised, pissed off European kids who have no hope of an economic survival, are all being equally disgruntled in the multiculturalism that they're uh, uh, in and the promise of, 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 of an earthly calypse in a suicidal, fossil-driven economy, and they're all pissed, and Skrillex is there on the computer. I'm looking at it while I'm on the phone with him, and he's pouring a beer onto a laptop computer on a whole, in front of a, a huge arena, and the crowd is having an erection and jumping into the mosh pit. And I said to myself, when he said, Mr. Parks, will you work? You know, I said, yes. He said, we will destroy the world. That is exactly what I don't have in mind. And yet, I thought two things. I'm at the fork of, the, of Yogi Berra's road. Which direction will I go? I'm too good for this shit. I don't have to hang around with pissed off, a pissed off generation. And the other is, I must serve these people. I'm going to make sure that I keep that fighter on his feet. And so I ended up at Capitol Studios in Hollywood with an orchestra so big they had to take out a wall to join two studios. It was a wonderful, wonderful event, elevating 
transformed my life. I run into things like this. I'm 78 years old. I'm a lucky guy. I, I am very lucky, and that's how I feel. Yeah. Is that, is that, would you say the key to your life is just remaining open like that and accepting? Because, I mean, like you said, like, here's a pissed off guy, but... Ex- yeah, I think so honest I do. Like, like I'll tell you, just before the pand- pandemonium, okay, that would be March 15th, we were, we were put in quarantine by our governor in California. March 15th of 2021. So just before that, I got a call from this person. Uh, she's 38. She's in, uh, she's in uh, Veracruz. She's in southern uh, Mexico. She wants me to do an album for her. This is what I did during quarantine. She said, can you get me a record contract? I said, of course not. I'm old and in the way. I'm passe. I'm a codger rocker. People don't want to hear about this. What is it? Poetry from the Yucatan Peninsula? No, what, uh, uh, with with Codger Rocker Van Dyke Parks? No. Nobody's going to be interested. I told her no. Yet, we did this long-distance love. I served her well. I provided orchestration around her intimate poetry of the Yucatan in a record called Only in America. And without frontiers, sin fronteras, to see if I could get my vanilla grits crowd. My, I'm serious. These church people, if I could take these church people with me across the aisle and get a taste of a Hispanic reality that really has, excuse me, a sightline and an ancestry to a pyramid culture that precedes the Egyptians by 3,000 years. So this is what you got down there, Mayan arithmetic with astronomy and incredible art. So I just said, you know, I figured, hey man, somebody asked me to do a record. I don't play golf. And um, matter of fact, the last two good balls I hit were this morning when I stepped on a garden rake. (laughs) However, be that as it may. No, never too busy. If it serves a purpose, and the greater purpose in this record called Only in America, please buy it. It's at Amazon, and there are other places, uh, uh, brick-and-mortar places to come on the 15th of June. Uh, It's on uh, modern music. Only in America, a great title. It suggests no, no... boundaries, but, but it addresses something which is incredible to me. And people with me, we're losing daylight. Listen here. We are undergoing a multicultural transformation in the United States, plain as day. That doesn't mean I need to learn how to speak Spanish, although I always learn how to say thank you. And I, I know how to treat the help I, because I believe in the golden rule. But this was time to make new friends and keep the old, one is silver and the other is gold. I got this girl asked me if I'd do a record. I had no excuse of my ethics, my work ethic says, Yankee dog, get out of there. Get up, man, come on. So I do it. So here I am looking at stuff that, uh, at this first blush, but I mean, the music is great. It's got all these men. So I'm telling you, the music has got a special boogie. In fact, I've fallen in love with a lot of, pardon me, 
uh, Global Village, uh, that, that, that genre of music. Uh, from Exotica, of Martin Denny and his Quiet Village, to the present time, I've always loved harp. It's in my music. Here's a girl's harpist. I surrounded her with a wall of strings to lift her up. Because maybe one day me and my wife could go to Barcelona and eat some fine thin finger food from the Mediterranean after the concert where I have a, maybe a cameo playing piano for this fine girl called Veronica Valerio. Out of nowhere, asked me to do a record. I had no reason not to. Of course, records don't exist except in the hearts of those who want to promote music. And the only way for an artist to get into black ink of course, is through the physical sales of um, albums, and uh, uh, unless they concertize. So I'm, that's the end of my, my flog, my merch flog. <laughs> uh, merch, was that vulgar? No, not at all. I, I've, heard a, I've heard a song from, uh, from that, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I believe the song is called Veracruz. I can't remember. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That song actually was written in 1934 by Augustin Lara. Augustin Lara was this great um, composer who did things called boleros, but in that song, you see, that year, 1934, I, let me be a dweeb. Veracruz was swamped by Cuban immigrants who brought a kind of a hotel band of wonderful music called Rumbada, R-U-M-B-A-D-A. And the dances, I'm telling you, man, if you look at these people like Ava Gardner or some people like that dancing, they don't look anything like your mama. These are, these, <laughs> whoa, I'm talking about shimmery, shimmery. It's like catching a flying fish. But anyway, it was a great moment in, in Mexican music. And uh, I wanted... Oh, sure, it was her idea, actually. Uh, to honor that man, and which is, of course, part of the freeze frame that we make, and we're trying to capture an era of, of uh, Mexican, of, of this wonderfully um, diverse tropicality. And my, I'm just very amazed by it all, and, and it's just... You know, I treat this with its great respect and endurance and 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 uh, um, collaboration as I did on my first record, uh, on my first prominent arranging for the first Rai Kuda record, which is replete with, with this kind of string work I do now. That's three violin lines, two violas, one cello, one bass. Uh, I use seven to busy. Most people use two violin lines. A couple of guys come down the pike who use three. They're, they're, it's taboo. Court Vile did it. He wrote the Three Penny Opera with three violin lines, two violas, one cello, and bass. I saw that in Berlin. Why is that considered taboo? Uh, because it's, uh, because standard orchestration has always dictated, you know, that that division of first and second violins, and and. Uh, First and second violas, and then one cello, and then bass. Usually, like that. But that's that's. Uh, it's just a slightly different way to put up the house of cards. And I enjoy it. That's what I'm doing. I was just doing a. Last week, I did an arrangement for a wonderful person, 
by the name of Anara George. She is the daughter of my late and beloved friend Lowell. I've known Laura uh, Anara since the day she was born. I was there in a studio at their little feet recording in uh, in Maryland, and uh, at a studio in Cockeysville, Maryland. And that was the day she was born. I remember now I, she called me up and asked me to do an arrangement uh, of, for a tune called Red Tail Hawk. It is to benefit the Audubon Society. She saw a couple of weeks ago, she saw a hawk on a limb of a tree in her yard. And it was looking, it was totally uninhibited and very close to her, a predator and prey within its claws. And she loved that experience and quite coincidentally was asked by uh, a man who's assembling a, uh, a collection of songs about birds for the Audubon Society so that they can benefit and get more habitat for birds. So, pro bono, I'm there. Those are the catchwords in my life. Pro bono, <laughs> maybe I'll get to meet Cher. You haven't met Cher yet? Yeah, I have. I figured you had. Yeah. Was- anyway, but I didn't get any on me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't lay a mitt on that girl. Hey, so anyway, me three. That was what I said to her. Hey, so, so um, yeah, so it's a good cause. It's a song with a cause. It's about birds to benefit the Audubon Society to keep life as beautiful, to protect the planet in a small way. I was honored that she asked me to do it. And so that's, uh, so you see, this is what, the arranging to me is like that. It's not, it has not been, it has not made me a rich man. I don't have a pool. I have to go to a relative's for a pool. <laughs> I got a couple of druthers. I'm in Southern California, what can I tell you? But, but, uh, but, I continue to work because it's it is it's my life force, and um, I'm happy about it. And and and, and that's this uh, recent song shows the the variety of opportunities. Uh, this uh, Mexican adventure is like to me as topical. As, uh, as it was in 1971 when I did a record called Discover America. I had been through the South with 28 men who were in a steel band. They were from Trinidad. A bus broke down on a two-lane blacktop in Alabama, and a farmer came out and aimed his shotgun in the air and fired off a couple of rounds just to let us know he was home. I discovered America for sure when I rode through the South with a group of black men in 1971. I made a record about it. Everything I make a record about is a matter of sober and studied intent. It takes a lot. For example, this last record, my wife and I shelled out for the musicians who met, not in person, but by, uh, you press a key that says send, and they get a file and they receive it. And then they play with other string players who are in other rooms in other suburbs or wherever. And that all comes back in a vector. And then with an engineer, once again, 
long distance love. He's in a studio, we're on Skype or Zoom or some other antidote to Alexander Graham Bell's <laughs> contribution. The thing that it interests me about the iPhone, for example, is that it is inferior to the telephone in my view because it does not allow cons uh, uh, con laughter at the same time, consecutive laughter. So you'll hear one person or the other, the noise gate, as it's called, is inferior. <laughs> so much for Steve Jobs. But anyway, <laughs> Alexander Bra Graham Bell had that one down. And I think that was, a, and I think that was, that was good. But I'm just stressing, to do an album for a year, shell out for it, when the president was, his name was Trump, and everyone thought that the arts were a decoration, and there was no dough to go. Uh, nothing to, uh, no way to ever re re receive anything, even a nod, uh, for the joy of discovery in the in the work that's in an album. Along comes a, a graphic artist. I need to dress the thing up. It's coming out on June fifteenth. How do I have no dough? I turned to a friend, he was 80 years old, his name is Klaus Vormann, V-O-O-R-M-A-N-N, Klaus. Klaus is in, in Munich. Klaus and I met at Popeye when I was <laughs> in the movie and orchestrated those songs for Harry Nilsson in 1980 on Malta and Mediterranean, five months to the day. Well, Klaus is a gentleman and, and I said, Klaus, would you please illustrate the album, the front cover, and he did, and it's a wonderful, it's not what I wanted, what I wanted was, I wanted to have a Rousseau, I wanted to have a, a Haitian postcard with clashing colors and, you know, a very, no, it's severe, it's uh, uh, irreducible minimum graphic art in its finest, it's like Durer or Escher, or to me, a masterful contribution from an 80-year-old man who knew well what was within the song, and this is what I wanted to say, and that's, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> you know, but often I've listened to this global music, and I want to tell you, it's, I'm not trying to be glib. When I say, I don't know what they're saying, but I agree with them completely, you can tell what is being communicated beyond that language barrier. Yes, it helps you get a sharper image, but you can really tell attitudinally uh, what, 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 what's within the art. That's why I like Paolo Conte, my favorite, C-O-N-T-E, Paolo Conte, my favorite obster of my lifetime. I'm 78, I've heard a lot. And I do like Les Paul. I like Spike Jones. I like Les Paul, et cetera. I like Maritza, I like Fado, the Portuguese Fado, the, the stuff that, and you can tell about the humanity, the, the, the humanity, and to, to humanity to me is the life force. And when, when I hear despair, I, I, uh, I look for, for uh, the other options. And uh, I remember, when I did a, a record for Eliza Carthy, one of the Eliza Carthy, one of the great folk pillars of, of, of roots and rhythms of England, beyond your even the Kinks, beyond it all, is Martin Martin Carthy and his daughter Eliza and Norma Watterson. I mean, talk about 
you want to hear some real rhythms from the 19th century when people really jerk each other around and dance. Amazing, beyond clog, big, big super clog. And amazing geometry. And, and Eliza Carthy said in one of her songs, beautiful people are boring. I found that to be true. I rush, I rush away from Pixar. I'm looking for films or, or, or uh, entertainments, which I know are preciously transient, that are gonna be gone in a, in a wink. I don't need to be convinced of something solid and smooth and slick and American and first worldly. We need to get out of this hall of mirrors. That's what I desperately wanna do, I'm 78. I'm a son of the American Revolution. I take no credit for anything that my ancestors might have done. I still yearn to know how they managed, in spite of people, to get along. You know, I'd like to know their secrets, because when people die, unlike the fable, they do take it with them. They take a lot with them that we can never know. So I put myself up there, my um, nude on a bucking bronco, what do you want? I just, I put myself out there to the vulgar public gaze, hoping somehow I will bring contentment, joy, everlasting joy in everything I do. And I'm telling you, I may be viewed as a son of a bitch by some ex-lovers, but I'm like Andrew Carnegie. Then as now, my heart is in the work. Isn't it great? Music. And whenever I hear somebody else's music that bores me beautifully, I say to myself in a sigh of relief, at least they're not in munitions. You know what I mean? <laughs> Making music. So to me, we're all equal in God's eyes. And, and I'm having fun doing what I do. Yes, I found a laughing place. It's, a, it's, it's miniature. It's not... It's a, it's not the symphonics uh, works uh, that I had imagined, the murals that I might, musical murals I might create. No, I'm a miniaturist. I'll tell you one good thing. I, I listened to the other day that song I uh, orchestrated for uh, Silverchair in Australia. We've got to look it up on YouTube. I say, I say, tuna in the brine, and then orc. And you can hear how an orchestra can survive a fuzz-tone guitar, the, the most active drums in the world, and a fuzz-tone bass, you know? Mm -hmm. An orchestra can survive the loudest sounds. And I discovered also that, 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 that um, some small... Con uh, confirmation of, of, of the song. Like Sam Phillips did, Wasting My Time. I put one cellist on three times because he was there. I cheated. <laughs> it was great. I'm serious. So Sam Phillips took out her guitar. I was left alone, stripped and bleeding. And it just was sizzling. It's, to me, the whole thing about the lessons, the, the lesson I get is actually confirmational, and I'm, I'm getting used to it. Although President Truman dropped the A-bomb, and everybody thinks that he was the son of a bitch for that, at least you knew what you were getting. 
you knew what you were getting. And um, such candor and directness, I haven't seen since just before you called, I interrupted Joe Biden because I knew Joe was doing his, his, his job. Such clarity. I knew what I was getting. I was happy about that. Such articulation. Now, but President Truman said, it's astonishing what can be achieved if you just don't care who gets the credit. That is so true in arranging the voices out. Oh, God, the voices out. Oh, my God. Oh, why did she sing that note? And then you're, you're stuck with the dilemmas. How do you bring honor in your time to those around you? I mean, to me, it really is classical opportunity. And how can you make the, How can you beatify this? How can you? Yeah. How can you support the thoughts? How can you? Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, how can you bring transparent, transparently even, if necessary, and usually is. I'm telling you, it's, a, it's, it's not for sissies, to me, a good arranging. And, and, and I count by some, I'll tell you, for example, there are a thousand ways I, I could have a ball just arranging yesterday uh, for, the, for a string quartet. I'd love to do that. I would really, you know, uh, serve the lyrics. But in fact, that is a very good piece of arranging. How about Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry? The, the strings play such a, an illustrative part. They, they react to the, to the lyrics. So, yeah. I think about it. I think about it all, and, and I love, and, and, and now the reality is I work in an industry that I, I told an R, I said, you don't need an a, a arrangement on this. You got it. I, I, when I did, when I just put down the upright bass part, I realized her, just her and a guitar. It's there. The song is there. But adding strings makes stuff sound more expensive. And so I guess that's a good idea. <laughs> Kidding. It makes it, it bring, actually, it elevates the whole thing because these people work with their bowing arms. And so it's really something. I'm, uh, I'm very happy with it. And today I made, uh, uh, I got a Zoom with the Holland before they went to bed about uh, a job there next uh year, whether it's string quartet or full orchestra, we're deciding, and it's so much fun. This is because I'm, I am just a member of the team. I'm not the vocalist that I want to be, but I have, I participate. So we're looking at a guy who just wants to be the best beta male that ever came along to some real alpha females in the hardware store of life. So <laughs> this is what I do. And, yeah. and it's, it's fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if there is a sort of a, I, I don't know if this is wording it correctly, a, a selfless approach to arranging. Like you can't, is, does that make sense? 
like uh well i i think i absolutely i absolutely uh think that uh, you don't you you're not the personality here when you're arranging you are no you're not you're not a personality you're not in a hall of mirrors this is not a first world problem this is something of a higher order you're paying attention to somebody else so when you do it when i when i approach my work is very interesting actually because there's so many levels but we're talking about in the in the in the general um, limited depth of field of, of arranging for the song form recorded um, the um, the images just when you're doing film there, there's a thing where a film ed, a film editor will say on the the uh, cue sheet you know that tells you what is happening in lapse time you know here's where the hand hits the doorknob here's where we cut to the face start of the dialogue and it begins the dialogue and then the dialogue ends eol end of line and and that's where a film editor will say star dialogue so those are when you hold the notes that's a very good thing to do. Hold the note. A lot. Holding the note is a good device. Another one is to make sure that the notes are, are, are moving so you don't have to flog the guy at the uh, on the sit-down drum, which is, is obviously sometimes over-amped or um, um, out, out of hand. Maybe a cajon would have been better than a sit down than than a full set. But at any rate, you know, so that is to put rhythm. You have to put rhythm in. And those just so you do. To me, the hard tacks have to be there. You have to. You have to. You have to get. You know. You know. You know, you could do sustains and then, you know, with, with violas separated and so forth and rhythm. So the idea is to like, think about, you know, the motive, the, the song, you're, you're working on a song and it has a through line, you're moving forward. And usually it's good people with songs these days want to have some like a eurythmic kind of a vibe that is make sure that the song uh, suggests itself with uh, with a physicality, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a dance tune. It's not disco mad, but it's it's got a sense of rhythm that is of of a friendly persuasion. So you take care of all of that, and then it's time to comment. And how do you comment? Well, I would stay off of the the star dialogue and either set it up earlier to create a an aura or comment on it. So if the girl hurts her hand in the garden, I might even use that. What is it? It's sad. But it's also within the realm. Of, of cliche. And the art of cliché, that is instant recognition of what something is, 
um, <coughs> cadences will will um, will appear. Items, even instrumental sonorities. I mentioned this songwriter Paolo Conti. You should look into his record called Reveries. Reveries on none such because it has the words there translated and all of a sudden you can understand Paolo Conti and all of a sudden you understand that lyrics are an incredible and uh, uh, a fundamental to, to great composition and song and there he is Paolo Conti with the man all of a sudden he's in an airplane with a pilot asking him to circle a ship where a piano had just been thrown overboard and he starts to wonder about the people that used to dance around that piano. And it's incredible. I mean, it make Bob Dylan look like, like, you know, he never touched a psychedelic honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy, I mean, the lyrics, transportive, uh, Italian, troubled, complex, beyond the American vision, folks. It's get out of, getting out of the box. This is to me, this is my, I'm like desperado waiting by a train. Waiting, and and <clears throat> so each thing I want to—that is, I, I don't have to have novelty to be happy. I can, <clears throat> I can be like act like an old general rehearsing an old victory and remember what I did on a song which just made the ladies weep. I mean, like, you know, it's like that. When I can remember rehearse the victories of my youth, and and I tell you. Some of this stuff is, is, that I've done is good. But basically, I have a higher purpose and find my any validation in what I'm doing now. This is my best work, I promise you. Only in America. Great title. Great title. Great, and great, pardon me, I'm in an industry that collapsed. It's gone. The industry is gone. <clears throat> but still, I did an album. And I did it without the expectation of, I, I did it with only one <clears throat> reality. My wife is incredibly loyal and we've been together 42 years. And I did it for the joy of its discovery. It's my best work, only in America. And it's a chance, a ticket to ride. Lawrence Ferlinghetti, the great American poet who just died last year, he didn't make his 100th birthday. I did his, pardon me, Coney Island of the Mind. If you read I Am Waiting, you'll see what I did with the Kronos Quartet up at the San Francisco Jazz Festival. I did that, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, the greatest poet of my time in America that I know of. I loved it when he wrote that poem at the age of 96, and he wrote a poem and it said, Pity the Nation. And in Pity the Nation, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, the great beat poet, one of the guys that drew me to California as an adult, that is, I was 19, 62. Uh, he, uh, he said, Pity the Nation that knows only its own language whose breath is money, who sleeps the sleep of the too well-fed. Pity the nation, that, that's a great poem. This is what I'm up against. We just dumped Trump. Okay, Humpty's gone. But 
the residual attitude, the rage, the entirety of disenfranchisement where people can't even relate. There are no horizontal relationships. Everyone is clawing up or down or, 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 or moving away. So I'm looking for, a, I'm in the face engagement. I'm not timid about this thing. And it's like you said, I'm telling you the truth. When I go into a restaurant and it has valets and it's within since March 15th of last year, uh, if there's a bunch of Hispanic labor there, all in their finest valet attire, I'll sing, Voy gritando por la calle, clamando tu nombre, tu no me quieres. And they go nuts. It's all of a sudden, it's 1935 in Mexico. And that's because they're all Latino. I'm crossing the aisle. I do everything I can to cross the aisle. And sometimes I get a laugh. And, uh, but generally, people are very appreciative if you make an effort to cross the aisle. Every day, well, I haven't been doing it for about a week because uh, Steve Jobs needs, I need to go get a new iPhone or something. I can't do that one more. My Twitter isn't tweeting. But I, why do I Twitter? Or why would I tweet? I do it because somebody told me, look, I just got you some dough for this record in Europe and you're, you're not doing any concerts, <laughs> why don't you do some social platform? Well, and that would at least to show people that you care, uh, that you, because this is done these days. It's not the same, the, the 70s, wake up. So, so I joined Twitter. I asked my wife, I said, should we join Facebook? This is when it first came out. I said, should all these millennials that are doing Facebook, should we do that? And my wife said to me, it took me 20 years to leave Memphis. I don't want them back. <laughs> so I didn't join Facebook, but I did join Twitter because it was good enough for Obama. If he want, ask a busy man, if he can do it, I can. So I did the, um, uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And... Uh, I, I, and so that keeps me up till the New York Times and the LA Times hits the door about five. I'm up at four fifteen, and then I do the Twitter, the tweet, and I truth, and I try to examine each day who was born this day, who was born this day, and what did they do? What have I missed? And I try to share that. So I try to be more than just opinionated about how important music is and how important it is to, to celebrate the artists that can still keep on going till the squeal, till they take that squeal. And they're not taking me yet. And, and um, we need to support the arts. I have no way to, I'm just reiterating that merch flog. Only in America, what an album. Let me tell you, I'm a lucky man. I'm 78, I got an album. It's coming out in June. Van Dyke Parks orchestrates Veronica Valerio. I've never met her. I know her music. So the arts aren't a decoration. And yeah, we can sit by and watch them writhe with uh, the right wing knee on the neck of the arts. But I'm telling you, if I could be a little less plain about it, 
the arts are not like politics. Politics is the tail. It does not wag the dog. Arts are here to tell the politicians what to think. Bob Dylan just had a birthday. That validation will get him out of any parking lot, I guarantee you, for what he has done. I think we need to accept inquiry. We need to promote it against, uh, with one another and, you know, and make new friends and keep the old. I keep all my friends. Oh man, I have friends who are right of Hitler. I swear to you. I can't think of anybody who's left of me. I'm a total tree hugger. Echo politics is all it's all about. That's job one, echo politics. We are in a, and I, and I am with Greta, and we are in a generational war, and I know it, and so does she. She's just had the decency not to say it. This is a generation taking up too much space. Yeah, I have two kids, I have two daughters, and it's, that is a, a daily thing on my mind, is the, the world that they will have. What are their ages? One, it one just turned one, like a week May fifth, and the other is five. I'm just delighted. What are their names? Maybe is the oldest. Maybe Leona, and Tilly is my the one year old. And Tilly is named after a old jazz song called Tilly's Downtown Now. Magnificent! I'm so pleased. That's a great confection. Listen, I don't want to confuse anybody, but I come from a time when people talk to each other with words, and it was more than just another beautiful thing. And we got to get up and get it articulate, and we've got to get articulate with one another. And I'm here to say, I've been surrounded by talent all my life, and people of great heart, and, and you have made me feel inspire you know i i am the company i keep and and i'm not disappointed this day ah so thank you sir Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with the Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or themattdwyer.com or Conversations with the Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.